Uh, this past week, uh, Saturday, was Randy Cruz's birthday. And uh, uh, is it okay if I tell him how old you are, Randy? 52 years old. Can I tell him what Ron said to you this morning? Ron Nason? <laughs> I asked, so I asked Randy this morning, I said, so how old are you, Randy? Randy said, 52. Ron Nason said, oh, well, good. Now you're playing with a full deck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was uh, I thought that was great, um, and then today is uh, Seth and Sarah's anniversary, and uh, and Sarah's not here to celebrate that. Let's give Seth and Sarah a big hand. Would you? Oh, Sarah, appreciate you. And and for the record, she's not here because why, Pastor Seth? Right, I remember that. I just wanted y'all to know that on their anniversary, it wasn't because they had had a spat or anything. <laughs> she's visiting her, her family, so we, uh, we appreciate Seth and Sarah. And then this week, Tuesday, is Irene's birthday. And uh, so she is, um, I'm not allowed to tell you how old she's going to be. Uh, but it's uh, 29, uh, 30, somewhere around there, uh, I believe. So that's Tuesday. Amen. Well, I'm glad that you're here today, and uh, I've been preaching a series of messages from the book of Joshua, and so this morning we're going to look at Joshua chapter 11, and um, yeah, you've probably already found Joshua chapter 11, but uh, let me make a couple of quick announcements before we read that passage. Uh, remember, again, I think I mentioned this during prayer time, but let me mention it again. Uh, the visitation for Sonny James is going to be Monday evening at 6 p.m. at Cromarty, Miller, and Lee with a memorial service to follow there in their chapel at 7 p.m. And so uh, if you can come out for that, I know that Linda would appreciate that. And if you're not able to make it, maybe you can express your sympathy to Linda and keep her in your prayers. Wednesday night, we're starting a new Bible study on the armor of God. And uh, we'll have a short business uh, session that will follow the midweek service. Then next week is uh, Labor Day, but then the, day, the weekend after that, which is September the uh, 8th, is Chi Alpha Day. And so not next Sunday, but the following Sunday is Chi Alpha Day. We always have a great time when our Chi Alpha missionaries come from UNC and Duke uh, in state. And they share with us their ministry. Looking forward to it this year. They're going to be bringing some students with them, and those students are actually going to be sharing their testimony. And so we're excited about that. But as we, as we have been doing the last uh, several years, you come dressed representing your, uh, your team. And it uh, doesn't have to be <coughs> just Duke or UNC or Carolina. <laughs> last year, <coughs> got in a little bit of trouble because we didn't recognize Wake Forest. So hey, you can come representing Wake Forest or ECU. We got some ECU folks uh, here. Uh, we got, I think, one Alabama fan. Uh, <laughs> one, only one. Uh, two, okay, two. Uh, it's growing. Uh, and then, and we've got some Campbell students. So, amen. So uh, you you come representing, and uh, I didn't hear that. That was. Uh, that was out of order. I thought I, heard, <laughs> thought I heard somebody say UK, and that was definitely not the Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> uh, 
Amen. So, uh, but you come representing your team on the 8th, and we're going to have a good time. Bring a side dish. We'll cook hamburgers and hot dogs, and we'll have a good time on the 8th. Okay? All right. Joshua uh, chapter 11. First, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come, Lord, to invite you uh, to be here with us now. God, by your Holy Spirit, show up, Lord, in a powerful way. Anoint your word, I ask. God, we know that your word is already quick. It's already powerful. And it is profitable for us for doctrine, for correction, for instruction. We ask that, Lord, you would watch over your word today to perform it in our lives as you desire to do. God, I pray that you would anoint me as your messenger. Give me an instructed tongue, Lord, and use my lips to speak a timely word to your people this morning. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying and the faith to believe it. Further, God, I pray that you would um, speak to anyone who is here today that needs um, a special experience of the love, the forgiveness, the grace, and the power of Jesus Christ. God, according to your word, we believe that he is here with us. Therefore, we ask that every hindrance, every distraction might be bound so that Jesus Christ can speak and save redeem and restore and heal and deliver have your way lord we pray in jesus name amen amen joshua chapter 11 we're going to begin reading in verse number 15 joshua 11 verse number 15 just as the lord had commanded moses his servant so moses commanded joshua and so joshua did he left nothing undone of all that the lord had commanded moses so Joshua took all that land, the hill country and all the Negev and all the land of, of Goshen and the lowland uh, and the Arabah and the hill country of Israel and its lowland from Mount Halak, which rises towards Seir as far as Baal God in the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon. And he captured all the kings and struck them and put them to death. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the people of Israel except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. They took them all in battle, for it was the Lord's doing to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle in order that they should be devoted to destruction and should receive no mercy but be destroyed just as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, uh, after Joshua had dealt with the sin um, of the people of Israel that had caused Israel's failure at Ai, and that's what we talked about last week was the failure of Ai. After Joshua had dealt with the sin that had caused their failure there at Ai, they went on uh, to defeat that city on their second try. They defeated Ai. And having learned that lesson well, Joshua then proceeds from that point forward Joshua uh, proceeds to lead God's people with a greater degree of obedience uh, and devotion. Where he maybe had been a little bit careless at Ai in not seeking the Lord and not finding out God's uh, specific instructions and direction, he was more careful from that point forward to uh, obey God in everything and obey everything that Moses had told him and he was completely and wholly devoted to to God. 
His record from that point on is not perfect. In other words, uh, he did not obey God 100% uh, of the time. He did not seek God 100% uh, of the time. But verse number 15 is a remarkable statement about uh, Joshua's leadership during the conquest of Canaan. It says, just as the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses had commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. And he left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. I wish, I'd, I would love for my testimony at the end of my life to be just that. That I left nothing undone that the Lord had commanded me uh, to do. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony? It was said of Joshua that he left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses to do. Therefore, it is not unrelated to that. But the very next verse says what? So Joshua took all that land. In other words, Joshua's success was Israel's success. And Joshua's success was directly related to the fact that he was obedient, completely obedient to the instructions that God had given to Moses and uh, his success was related to uh, Joshua's complete devotion to God. So in other words, Joshua was completely obedient. He was wholly devoted to God. And therefore, God gave him success in everything uh, that he did. And chapters 10 and 11 of Joshua include a summary of several battles that Israel uh, fought during this period of the conquest. They fought them and they won every one of those battles as Joshua led them in the conquest of the land that God had promised uh, to his people. And in those chapters, in chapters 10 and 11, Joshua and Israel are undefeated. Undefeated in those two chapters. They are victorious in every encounter with the enemy. They win victory in every situation, but their victories their victories are all related uh, to three factors. Number one, and I've already mentioned a couple of these. Number one, uh, Joshua's complete uh, obedience to God. He was completely obedient to God, therefore he was successful in all that he did. When we're obedient to God, when he tells us what to do, uh, if we're obedient to him, then we never have to worry about saying, wow, that didn't work out. Because <laughs> when we're obedient to God, it works out and were successful. Number two, total devotion. Joshua's total devotion to God. In fact, in every place that Joshua went and the, the people of Israel went, uh, every city that they uh, conquered, it says that they devoted to destruction every person there. So to go back to something I mentioned uh, last week, they didn't hold something back for themselves that belonged to God. They were completely, wholly devoted uh, to God and to his purposes. And therefore, he was completely obedient, wholly devoted to God, and he was completely, they were completely successful uh, because of it. But there was a third factor in their success, and that was the hand of God. God gave them the victory in every place uh, that they went. There's no doubt when you read those chapters, chapters 10 and 11, there is no doubt whatsoever 
uh, that the only reason that God's people were able to possess the land was because God was giving them the land. God was with them. God was helping them every step uh, along the way. Repeatedly, God told, tells Joshua, and we've heard this refrain before already, so I won't take a whole lot of time with it this morning, but repeatedly God tells Joshua, I have given this place into your hands. I have given this king into your hand. I have put them in your hands. So the fact that they won the victory was related to his obedience and their devotion, but it was primarily related to the fact that God gave them the victory. How many knows victory comes from the Lord? Amen. Victory comes from what we prepare, we work, we do what God has called us to do, but victory comes from God. And here's the thing, sometimes his help is miraculous. As it was at Jericho, you remember we talked about Jericho, that you know, they circled the city when they blew the trumpets and the people shouted, the walls fell flat. It was obvious God uh, at Jericho. So sometimes their victory was miraculous, or uh, miraculous as it was against their, um, their battle against the Amorites. Joshua, you may remember this story also. Uh, Joshua attacked the uh, Amorites. Although his men were weary from marching, they had marched all night long, but God uh, said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall be able to stand before you. And so Joshua attacks the Amorites even after a long march. And the Amorites, you remember this story, they panic and they fled before Joshua and before Israel. And the Bible says that God then threw down large stones from heaven so that the Amorites, so that more Amorites were killed by the large hailstones than were killed by the swords uh, of uh, the children of Israel. Uh, now, how many would say that is a miraculous victory? Amen. In fact, as the battle raged late in the day, uh, Joshua spoke to the Lord, the Bible says, and he said, Son, stand still. And the sun stood still, and the moon, the moon stopped until the nation uh, took vengeance on their enemies. Now that's a miraculous victory. Amen. That is a miraculous uh, victory. When God... When God throws down large hailstones to kill your enemies, and when God, when God hits the pause button on the solar system, how many knows you don't get to take credit for that victory? That's, that's God, amen? There's no doubt that God was responsible for that victory. No, no doubt that God was responsible. He helped them directly. He was directly involved in the outcome, and it was a miraculous uh, outcome. However, at other times, uh, God's help was less, less obvious. And um, in some instances, in most instances, there's no mention of direct, miraculous intervention on God's part. Nevertheless, there can be no doubt that God was helping Joshua, that God was helping Israel to win the victory in every situation. And that's, listen, that's how it is in our lives as well. Can you say amen? That's how it is in our life uh, as well. I've been privileged uh, on occasion to see God's direct, miraculous intervention in my life. 
or in the lives of those that um, I'm in contact with. In fact, let's, let's um, conduct a, a brief survey this morning. How many people here this morning do you say, I believe in miracles? I believe in miracles. Okay, great. That looks like 100%, and I'm glad that that's uh, 100%. Now let me ask another question. How many people have experienced what you would consider to be a bona fide miracle? Amen. Not just I believe in miracle, but I, I have experienced. Okay, that's less, but that's still a lot of people that have said, I have experienced what I believe, what I know to be a bona fide miracle in my life. Here's 80, did you know this? 80% of Americans, based on a, a recent uh, survey conducted by Pew Research, 80% of Americans believe in miracles. 80% of miracles. That was high for me. I, that was surprising to me. 80% believe in miracles, although only about 35% of Americans say they've ever actually experienced a miracle. 35% I say I've experienced a miracle, but 80% say that they believe in miracles. And to me, that illustrates the possibility that some folks, and we fall into this category sometimes, that some folks might be tempted to say, I believe God works some people miraculously, although he has never helped me in that way. Some people fall into the category who say, I believe God can work miracles, but I've never seen God work a miracle uh, in my life. Have you ever, uh, don't raise your hand, <laughs> but have you ever said that? I believe God works miracles, but I've ne he's never done a miracle in my life. Uh, have you ever thought that? Have you ever, have you ever felt that way? I ask you not to raise your hand because I'll just confess on behalf of all of us, okay, sometimes I've thought of that before too. And I've said, God, I know you can work miracles. I believe you can work miracles. In fact, I've seen you work miracles in my life. But in this situation, I, I've seen you answer this prayer for other people. I've seen you move miraculously in other people's lives. And yet, it doesn't seem like you're doing the same thing uh, in my life. You see, we've, we've all complained at some point to God about that when we've, when we've said to him, why don't you do something about this situation in my life. I believe you can work a miracle. Why don't you work a miracle now and in this situation? We say those sort of things because we are tempted to believe that direct miraculous intervention is the evidence of God's help in our situation. And how many knows it is? Obviously uh, it is, but it is not the only way that God helps us. And it's not the only way that God has victory in our life. Sure, occasionally, He miraculously intervenes in our situation. Aren't you thankful for those times? Sometimes, miraculously, He throws down large hailstones on your enemies and kills them. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, yeah, I know a few people that I'd like to... God, if you could just... No, <laughs> you're not thinking... Sometimes God miraculously causes the sun to stand still in your situation and works a miracle uh, in your life. And those are wonderful, miraculous confirmations of God's grace and His power. Can you say amen? amen. However, sometimes His help in our lives is uh, 
more subtle. It's less noticeable. And in those times, we're tempted to think that, uh, that God is with us only if we're seeing miracles in our life. We think miracles are the evidence of God's help in our life. And so we're tempted to believe if I'm not seeing a miracle in my situation, if I'm not seeing a miracle in my life, then God must not be involved. God must not, uh, God must not care. We, we wonder, where is God uh, in my situation? And we become easily discouraged when we're fighting our way through the battles of life. I felt that way before. In fact, I want to show you something, two things, in fact, in this passage. Look uh, once more at the passage we just read. And let's reread verses 16 and 17. So Joshua took all that land, the hill country, and all the Negev, and all the land of Goshen, and the lowland of the Arabah, and the Arabah, and the hill country of Israel, and its lowland from Mount Halak, which rises toward Mount Seir, as far as by all God, and the valley of Lebanon, below Mount Hermon. And he captured all the things and struck them and put them to death. Did you notice anything about those verses? All of those places, all of those victories won, all of those battles fought, there's no mention of any miracles. No miracles, no large hailstones, just battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after battle. No, no sun miraculously standing still, just, just hot days of hard fighting and cold nights of burying the dead and dressing their, their wounds. In fact, uh, look at verse 18 and see if it won't make you shout. Joshua made war a long time with those kings. <laughs> that's, I, I don't know about you, that kind of makes me chuckle. Because that's an understatement, isn't it? Joshua, why did Joshua have to make war a long time with those kings if God could throw down hailstones? <laughs> and killed his enemies. But Joshua made war a long time. The question is, where, where was God? Where was God in, in all of that? Of course, he was right there with them, wasn't he? He was right there with them. He had promised Joshua. Do you remember this? We read this verse already in Joshua chapter 1. He said, I will be with you. I will not leave you. And I will not forsake you. In fact, he had guaranteed to Joshua, and he had guaranteed to the people of Israel, he had said to them that they would be victorious. So he was, he was helping them, how many knows that he was helping them all the time, even if it were a very long time. Even if there was no hailstones, even if the sun didn't stand still, even if there was no miraculous intervention, God was there and he was helping them day by day, battle by battle. He was there because he had promised his presence to them. And that's, listen, that's how life is. Sometimes, occasionally, uh, victory is glorious. It's sweet. And it's miraculous. Amen. You pray, you come to God, you lay out your, your uh, problem, your issue, and you pray, and miraculously God intervenes, and quickly God answers your prayer, and you go around shouting, and you say, praise God, God heard my prayer, he answered miraculously. I'm so glad 
every time I have the opportunity to hear a testimony of somebody say, you know, I prayed about this, I had this situation, I had this need in my life, I prayed, and God answered, he intervened, and miraculously, I believe God works miracles. Can you say amen? amen. And so sometimes God's victory is swift and it's miraculous, but sometimes it's more difficult. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's painful. But here's the thing I want you to see this morning. Be sure to hear this this morning. Either way, whether it's swift and miraculous, whether it's slow and difficult and painful, either way, victory is promised to the child of God. Victory is promised to the child of God. It's not just, it's not just when you're, you are experiencing the miraculous that God is with you. It's not just when you're seeing the signs and wonders. It's not just when you see the hailstones falling from heaven and the sun standing still that God is with you, but he is also there in the trenches when you're slugging it out with the enemy day after day after day. And aren't you thankful for that? That God is with us. Either way, either way, you are going to be victorious. Either way, you are going to win. Either way, God is going to see you through. Listen to his word. Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse number 14 says. You don't have to turn there. But Paul says, But thanks be to God who in Christ leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Paul says, Thanks be to God who... In Christ Jesus, always leads us in triumph. The child of God is always victorious. Do you believe that? The child of God always experiences victory. Now, we know that Joshua was a type uh, of Christ. In fact, the name Jesus is is a transliteration of the Greek name that is a transliteration itself of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua. And so Joshua's, listen, Joshua's obedience meant victory for Israel. As long as Joshua was obedient to God, then Israel experienced victory. As long as he was obedient and as long as they followed Joshua, they always experienced victory. Now Jesus, the Bible tells us, became obedient Obedient unto death. Therefore, Hebrews says about him, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus has guaranteed our victory. He suffered. Through his suffering, he learned obedience. Because of his obedience to God, when we follow him and obey him, God has promised that we will always be victorious in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Romans chapter 8 says, So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, 
nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you hear that? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And nothing, nothing can make you less than the victorious conqueror you are in Jesus Christ. So, no matter what battles you're fighting, whether they're physical battles, whether they're financial battles, no matter if you're undergoing persecution or strife or distress, no matter what's going on in your life, you might be tempted this morning to say, where's God? Where is God's miraculous intervention to change the circumstances that I'm experiencing? And aren't you glad that sometimes God does miraculously intervene and changes our situation? But I don't want you to doubt this morning because God's word says you are victorious in Jesus Christ. No matter what you're experiencing, no matter what your situation is, no matter what you're going through, nothing can separate you from God's love. And nothing can make you less than victorious in Jesus Christ. In fact, not even, not even death. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, of the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. You know this verse. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Listen to verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see... Not even the worst that the world has to offer, death. Not even death destroys the promise of the believer's victory. In fact, death itself is, is our final and our most glorious victory. Amen? Because God causes us always to triumph and to be victorious. No matter what your circumstances are, God has promised the victory to you. you know, uh, yesterday, Irene was out of town, and um, I did some work around the house, but I also took time to watch a, um, a movie, a movie about Jackie Robinson. Have you seen that, that movie, 42, I think it's called? It's a good movie, uh, and in it, uh, Jackie Robinson says, God, God built me to last. God built me to last. I thought about that. I knew I was preaching about this today. And I want to say to you this morning, God built you to last. God built you for eternity. Yes. God, God built you to possess all that he has promised uh, to you. And here's the thing, you can be victorious. You will be victorious through Jesus Christ. Listen, it might not, no, the battles you're facing right now, there might not be a quick and a supernatural victory in your circumstances. There may be, but there might not be. 
But so your victory might not be sudden, it might not be supernatural, but in fact, sometimes victory can be slow and, and it can be difficult. But God will be with you if you trust Him and if you follow Him. And God will do more in you and God can do more through you than you ever thought possible if you will trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to ask Mike if he would come to the piano this morning. And I want to pray. I want to close this service out praying for those who this morning you may be in the midst of a battle. And maybe even you're asking yourself, where is God? Does, does God see what I'm going through? Does God know what I'm experiencing? Where is God? And you're praying for a miracle. You're believing God for a miracle. And I'm going to agree with you and pray for a miracle this morning. But more than that, I want you to know this morning that God is with you. And He has promised that you will be victorious. Amen? You see, that, that is not in doubt. That is not in question. As long as you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you will be victorious through Jesus Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I want to ask, first of all,